This is the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center podcast. I'm Alex Victora, Assistant Center Director of the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center here in sunny Tucson, Arizona. This week, we're talking to you about fuel geysers. Surely you've heard the term fuel geyser. If you've not heard the term fuel geyser, you live in a cave in the woods. There's nothing wrong with caves in the woods, okay? Let me just say that right there. Come on out of the cave, throw on some sunscreen, your hat, your shades, grab your earbuds, and listen in. For this week's podcast, we're talking to Ralph Gonzalez. There's a lot of reasons I like talking to Ralph. We talk about surfing, not that I know anything really about surfing. We talk about RVs because I want to retire and live in an RV. We talk about mountain bikes, but mostly we talk about fuel geysers and fuel. Ralph's an engineer with the United States Forest Service, and he's one of the experts on what we've been calling fuel geyser events for the last couple of years. Ralph and his team have been doing a bunch of work to try to figure out what fuel geysers are exactly, what causes them, what are the conditions, factors that contribute to fuel geyser events, and what, if anything, we can do about them. Ralph helps us separate fact from fiction in this week's podcast. Check it out. Here's Ralph. My name is Ralph Gonzalez, and I'm a portfolio manager for the Fire and Aviation Program with the, uh, the National Technology Development Program. And I'm, I'm here in San Dimas, uh, California, one of our, our two centers. One's the other one, of course, is in Missoula. Um, so I've been involved with this fuel guys ring ever since the... Uh, the incident on the Humboldt Toyabe. The thing that Ralph just referenced, the event that took place on the Humboldt Toyabe National Forest, is called the Willow Peak Firefighter Burn Injury. That's the name of the report, the facilitated learning analysis report that was done in response to this really severe burn injury that took place on a single tree fire, May 25th of 2015. The Willow Peak report is important for a number of reasons. It's the report where we're first introduced to the term fuel geyser. Fuel geyser. Fuel geyser. What's a what's a fuel geyser? What? Hey. What? A fuel geyser? Fuel geyser is now a term that we don't want to hear. It's no joking matter. What can happen when fuel sprays, in some cases, violently out of a fuel container, a chainsaw, a piece of power equipment? It's no joke when fuel sprays out from one of these fuel containers and coats a firefighter who might be feet from open flame. Some of the burn injuries that we've seen reported are really severe. And that's why in June of 2015, when the team was taking a look at what happened on the Willow Peak fire, it was really critical for folks like Ralph Gonzalez to get involved. Back to Ralph. You know, it's it's part of the things that we do within TND is to look at um, accidents or, or incidents that have happened and look at the technical side and see if there's a, a safer way to do it uh, on the engineering side. Um, and I think I, I, I was involved in the program just because my experience with spark arresters and chainsaws and small engines that I've been working on since 1995 when I started the Forest Service. Now Ralph and I are going to play a bit of a game of true and false. It's a way to kind of get at some of this fact, fiction, myth, reality surrounding what it is that fuel geysers are and, as importantly, what they're not. So as we play this game of true or false, keep track in your own mind if you think the statement I share with Ralph is either true or false, and then check yourself against Ralph's answer. 
Here we go. To start off, um, here's something I think I've heard folks say, uh, true or false, uh, fuel geysers only happen on hot days. True or false, Ralph? You know, that's a, that's a false statement. You know, it's, it'll, it'll happen on cooler days or milder days as well. You know, higher elevation sure has, a, has an influence on it, uh, but the, the fuel really is part of the issue in getting, however the fuel is heated up, whether it's the radiant heat from the fire, uh, but not necessarily just the ambient temperature, so it could happen on cooler days as well. Okay, good. Um, here's another one, true or false, fuel geysers only happen to chainsaws. Yeah, that, that's a false, just because we've had other incidents that are not involving chainsaws. You know, we've we had issues on SIG bottles, we've had issues on Dolmars and leaf blowers. So it's not necessarily just powered equipment, it just could be fuel containers as well. Right. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a function of pressure and temperature and fuel. So anything that has fuel, a fuel tank, uh, and it could be heated up, uh, geysering could happen. Yeah. Did you have a fuel geysering event happen to you? Last summer, as, am I making I, that I up? Sh I sure didn't. Thanks for thanks for bringing it up, and thanks for reminding <laughs> me to bring it up. <clears throat> yeah. So so my so my incident, and 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 this is this is the the, the deal. You know, I, I've been I've been working on this fuel geysering for a while, and and I should have been more aware. You know, of of fuel and and stuff. And we we were at the Pioneer Fire last year, and we were collecting fuel samples on. Um, um, front of fire, there was an incident with uh, with uh, one of the crews out there on a chainsaw. We were collecting fuel samples, and we had uh, a jerry can full of fuel. Where it was midday, uh, so it was sitting back of the truck, exposed exposed to radiant heat. I adjusted a cup cap, uh, the cap of the jerry can, just because uh, I thought it didn't sit right. And once I opened up the cap, the fuel just uh, uh, came out. Uh, you know, exploded out, geysered out, uh, whatever the term is, and and got me right in the uh, right in the face, and if you know, if I had an ignition source, or if I didn't have my eyes closed fast enough, I w it w would have uh, resulted in an injury. But yeah, uh, and that's a good example of a non-chainsaw, non-powered equipment that could geyser. Yeah, sorry to bring that up, but I think that just uh, <laughs> hammers home the point that this really could can happen to anybody with, uh, you know, any fuel tank. It doesn't have to be a, a chainsaw fuel tank, which we tend to hear of um, uh, frequently given some of the, the fuel geysering chainsaw events. So continuing on with the, you know, the fuel tank kind of theme here, true or false, fuel geysers only happen to equipment with the flip lock or the quarter turn caps that we see on uh, on steel chainsaws, true or false? Um, that's that's false as well, um, and you know I, again, basically the, the the mechanism of of it happening is as the fuel gets heated up or superheated, meaning it gets heated up uh, above its boiling point, and the rapid release of pressure or the rapid depressurization would cause the geysering. So uh, certainly that you see that on on the toolless fuel cap that still has because you're able the operator is able to open it up, but for threaded caps as well, if you open it fast enough and not allow it to to vent. It'll certainly happen to that. Like the uh, the Jerrican had a threaded cap. Um, you know, uh, Sig bottles have threaded caps as well, and, and those would geyser. Uh, Dolmars also have a uh, some sort of threaded cap, a rough cor uh, a coarse threaded cap, but it it would happen to that. So not necessarily just the steel uh, toolless fuel cap, but it'll happen to uh, um, any cap as long as that pressure is released pretty quickly. So let's talk a little bit more about fuel here, and here's one that uh, I think I've heard, or some version of this. Uh, true or false, fuel geysers only happen with low-octane fuel or fuels that have a, a high ethanol content. Uh, 
uh, true or false there, Ralph? Um, so, so, so that I think both of those statements are, are false. I guess I'll, I'll take the I'll take the high ethanol content first. Um, so, with with high ethanol, like I like the E10 f fuel, uh, and we've had recorded incidents, and the one being the Pioneer fire, uh, it was an E0 or, or zero. There is no ethanol in in the fuel, and those guys are that as well. Um, certainly, with with the the ethanol content, that's, that makes it more volatile. Um, um, and also with with the volatility, there's some rules as far as how how fuel is blended. If you add more ethanol to it, then you have more leeway as far as the volatility is concerned. Uh, so that's a false. It'll happen on an E0. It'll happen on an E10. Um, the the octane uh, the octane number is a little is, is a little harder to pin down. And and I guess I'll 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 call that a maybe. It's not really a true or false. We don't have any more more information on it. But we've had incidents of geysering at the higher octane than 89 and 91 octane levels uh, in the lab. You know we we could we we use we use uh, a 91 octane E0 fuel as our test fuel because we could get it consistently and we were able to make those geyser. The the key the key is the the, the fuel and how uh, how volatile it is, regardless of octane rating, regardless of ethanol rating. Uh, octanes, uh, the octane rating is usually for knocking, uh, for engine knocking. But um, if your engine is knocking, uh, perhaps the, the your operating temperatures will be higher too. So that's the, the part we don't we don't know, and that's something we're chasing down. Also, as we continue on with our with our testing in the lab. Okay, and while we're talking about fuels here, um, can you say anything definitively about you know summer blend or winter blend or how any of those sort of different blends of fuel may or may not impact fuel geysering events? Yeah, and and, and really, you know, that's that's a really big factor in this in this um, this geysering problem. I guess you know we we refer back to the the what we're calling a geysering triangle, where there's heat pressure and, and fuel is one side of that triangle. Um, and and the reason fuel is a big component of that is because fuel changes every by by month and by state. You know there are there are requirements and it's an um, uh, there's a standard. It's an ASTM standard that requires or have minimum levels of volatility, and that changes from state to state and month by month. So for example, if you have a winter blend or or you have, you have fuel blend in Montana in in January, that's a totally different fuel from uh, the same fuel. You would get in Montana in August, and and the difference is because the fuel blenders have to make fuel that would work in cold weather. So for colder weather, you want it to be more volatile because you want it, the engine to start when it's cold for cold weather performance. And the opposite is true when it's hotter, so it's less volatile. So if you take a winter blend in summer-like conditions, so like in the spring, like where we are now, where we're in transition where you have warmer days and you get a volatile fuel and you're using it summer-like conditions you could heat that pass you know uh, where you get superheated and the pressure builds up pretty quickly and that's when you, where you have the potential of geysering as well so it's really important that when you when you use fuel you only use uh, nothing older than one month uh, because it, you're, you're within that change okay yeah, that's good info. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. Um, moving kind of into what it is that uh, we think we know or don't know about fuel geysers. One one thing I've heard people say is that uh, you know the agencies, maybe the Forest Service in specific, uh, 
you know, the Forest Service isn't doing anything about fuel geysering. Um, that's something I've heard. So true or false, the Forest Service is not doing anything about this issue. Yeah, that, that's a that's a false. You know, we, we've been working on this quite a bit, um, and and we're really taking a, um, I guess I, I've been describing it as a three prong approach. You know, we, we want to take a look at engineering solutions first. You know, how could we solve this engineering, uh, providing an engineering solution that doesn't require an operator to be to do to do something. So we we, we pursue an engineering solutions uh, from vented caps to you know um, uh, trying to protect the chainsaw, the fuel tank from heating up. Um, we're, we're, what we're also doing is, is we're, we're trying to, to describe in, uh, on the engineering side what, what's what's a mechanism, how does geysering happen, and how do we tie it into fuel, um, the type of fuel, or if we were to put a requirement in the chainsaw safety standard, uh, there's a uh, the chainsaw standard, what, what would it require be? So in order for us to do that, what we need to do is we need to to look at fuels, look at different pressures, different temperatures, and conduct those tests. And we, we've done over, gosh, over 400 tests of pressure and temperature. And all we're doing is heating up fuel, opening up the cap, and seeing what happens. You know, controlling a lot of the variables. What we're also trying to do is, is we, we've been going out, and we did, did this last year. Is we're looking at what are the actual conditions where where, where the, the, the chainsaw w would see. So what what are the, what are the natural or the operational temperatures and pressures in the fuel tank. So we're able to go to fires, uh, you know, active fires, and we're able to drop a data loggers so that last for a couple a couple months, a couple of days, and and that those data loggers will measure pressure and temperature. So we have a baseline of of pressure and temperature in the fuel tank, and that again goes into the chainsaw safety standard. What requirements do we put in? Um, so, so that's the engineering side. We're also looking at the operational side. We're, seeing, we're also looking, so what could the operator do to either prevent uh, the risk of injury from fuel geysering? You know, how do you troubleshoot a vapor lock saw? How do you troubleshoot a flooded saw? Or telling the difference between the two. You know, what, what process do you do to, do, to check with the, you know, with, with the uh, um, opening the fuel cap is the last thing you want to do. We're, we're working with the manufacturers. We're working with the carburetor manufacturers on this um, to see how how we could make that happen. Uh, we're, we're taking input from 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 operators as well and, and seeing what their best practices have been, and we're sharing that uh, with folks. And, and that's a third piece of our of our uh, approach is the, the national awareness or awareness campaign. That we're whatever we find out in the, on the engineering side, whatever we find out on the operational side, we're feeding it through the um, the national awareness campaign. You know, we're we have we're, we're putting like this podcast is a big part of that. We're we're preparing videos, um, all the information that we have, we're trying to share that information through that national awareness campaign. So the three prong approach, the engineering, the operation stuff, and and releasing everything through that awareness campaign is kind of what we, we've been doing, what we've been doing for, for two years. Okay. So uh, clearly you guys uh, in Forest Service Engineering are doing quite a lot with uh, this issue. That's uh, that's great. I, another thing I've heard, and uh, maybe about a year ago, I had seen a prototype of a modified cap, and that leads us to this, this true-false here. Um, and this one is the the Forest Service has an engineering fix, but they don't want to share it with firefighters for one reason or another. Um, true or false? Um, th that that is is false. And you know we 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 had we thought we had a solution, and and part of part of 
you know finding out whether it's a true solution or not because it really it really the stakes are pretty high you know we can't really get things wrong we, we want to make sure that the solution works for everything and not just a certain part of the the country if you will so we, we had a solution and the solution was was putting a larger o-ring it's a half a millimeter larger o-ring and on uh, on the fuel cap itself replacing the OEM or the standard o-ring with a with a slightly larger one so that's what we had in the laboratory testing that was pretty promising you know we've, we've had and we actually made we made a hundred caps and we sent them out to folks to try um, so so they were they were using it and and we were getting good feedback on it but then when we started testing again in the lab looking at that solution at the engineering solution with a larger o-ring and we were able able to to pre reproduce geysering when we use different fuels we, we, we were starting off our test fuel was was California fuel, which is a pretty low volatility, and um, um, and we, when we when we switch our fuels, we we started seeing able to reproduce geysering. So we we thought that that's not a robust enough solution for us to, to implement nationally. Uh, so we pulled that back, and then we went back to the drawing board and looked at other things that we could work on. Certainly, the, you know, the the threshold's pretty high. We want to make sure that whatever we recommend would actually would actually work for everybody, not just some a portion of the state uh, or a portion of the country. Um, so th there is no solution yet. Uh, we're working on on uh, an engineering solution, and as soon as we we prove that out, as soon as we have assurance that will, that will work for everybody uh, we will release that as well okay very good yeah i had seen some of those caps and was eager to to i was at the time when i first saw it i thought it might be the solution and uh pretty simple solution but uh, i guess it didn't work out as you just said so um <clears throat> shifting gears here um uh, let's talk a little bit about fuel geyser reporting. And here's here's something I heard somebody say recently that uh, if you experience a fuel geyser uh, event, we want reports of that data or we want reports of that event. True or false? Oh, that's that's absolutely true, and that's really critical for us. Um, you know, because uh, I, I really think that the geysering is an, uh, an underreported event. I think there's more incidents there than we were really hearing. Um, and and the reason it's a critical point and people need to report when it's when it's they have incidents of geysering whether it results in an injury or not is we need to know what the conditions are you know um in the last two years when, we, when we've had, had geysering incidents again not necessarily resulting in injury what we try to do is to try to get a sample of the fuel so it's really critical that when when that event happens that we get they preserve a sample of fuel and we 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 need about uh, a SIG bottle full enough to do fuel analysis on it. Uh, we'd like to know the ambient conditions as well. You know how how hot it is, how high. You know what was the elevation they're working, and what what kind of work were they doing? Was it a chainsaw? Was it a blower? Was it a you know a SIG bottle or, or a, a jerry can? I guess in like in my case, and be able to report that and, and track that down because every little bit of information that we have also kind of feeds into okay we're starting to define what the conditions are and it kind of goes back into the chainsaw safety standard and so how do we how do we build that you know is it also reasonable for an operator to think you know expect that this is going to geyser or not so it's really critical that we get that information that real life information real incident information is just is, is very valuable to us and being able to get those fuel samples the model of the equipment the conditions the elevations and all that stuff is critical to what we're doing 
As Ralph just mentioned, reporting Fuel Geyser events is critical. We feel like Fuel Geysers are vastly underreported events, and maybe that's because most Fuel Geyser events don't come with burn injuries, which is a good thing. If you're involved in a Fuel Geyser event, regardless of whether there's a burn injury, a fuel ignition, or equipment damage, hopefully there's none of those things in your case. But if you're involved in a Fuel Geyser event, we want to know more about it. To report your Fuel Geyser event, you can do two things. You can come to the Wildland Fire Lessons Learn Center homepage, wildfirelessons.net. And on our homepage, we've got a little slide deck of images rolling by, and there's a content rotator image. That's what we call that thing. There's an image there with two links for Fuel Geyser resources. So check it out on the Lessons Learned Center homepage, or do a quick Google search for National Fuel Geyser Awareness. And even if you misspell fuel geyser, like I just did, the first result you'll see is a really handy website with some great resources. And that website has a link that will take you directly to the fuel geyser reporting tool. And finally, the fuel geyser reporting tool can be found at the following website, bit.ly forward slash, that's the one that's leaning to the right, forward slash, bit.ly forward slash fuel geyser report, all one word, bit.ly forward slash fuel geyser report. Reporting fuel geysers is critical. Don't worry about the technical details. Don't worry about whether you can do this anonymously or not. You can. Help out the fire service by helping provide data. Okay, now back to our game of true and false. We're almost done. The next one I want to talk about is the um, the recent steel recall. I think I've heard people kind of share that or seen people share that, you know, uh, with social media, etc. And I've certainly uh, interacted with folks who think, hey, there we go. Finally, there's been a recall. That's going to fix the issue. So the so the, the true false here, I guess, is, and this might be a maybe, uh, but uh, the recent steel recall uh, will fix all this. And uh, yeah, true or false there? Um, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's a maybe. We we, we don't know. Um, you know, certainly a a pinch a, a pinch fuel uh, line or a leaking fuel line, you know, could could, could contribute to to um, Increased temperature, running lean, but we, we don't we don't know that, and we're, we're doing more testing on that. But certainly the the recall is for that. No, it wasn't for fuel geysering. Yeah, so it, so it, it's a maybe. We don't have enough information through it. We we have contacted the manufacturer, asked those questions, and whether it's gonna, um, it's related or not. But we haven't had a response back from Steel. Okay. But I guess uh, so. The the bottom line there for folks who've maybe had their saws into the shop uh, for that recall, um, at this point we're not confident saying that those saws are are any any necessarily any less likely to geyser at this point in time. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a fair statement. I think not not at all. I mean, uh, j just because there there's some older saws with with that uh, seemingly didn't, didn't have that problem. Uh, like the 460s and even uh, the 440s in the past, or the 382s in the past that, that have a geyser, and, and really not, uh, we didn't think it had a pinch fuel line. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, just be mindful. Anything could geyser is the approach we, we, we want folks to take. Um, 
and uh, whether it's been in, in the shop for that recall fix or not, it's it still has the potential. Okay, very good. And the last one here, and this is uh, one I've heard a few different times, and that's this sentiment that um, that this all this this whole problem, this fuel geysering issue, is can be attributed to to clean air standards or EPA regulation. So, is that a is that a true or false? The uh, clean air and EPA standards are responsible for this fuel geysering thing. How would you categorize that, true or false? You know, I, I, I would categorize that as, as, as a false. In fact, we're, we're actually working with the EPA on, on this, on this fuel geysering problem, you know, with, with, um, um, with, with the clean air requirements, is cer certainly there, there is, you know, a trend for uh, increasing operational temperature, you know, when you start running leaner, of course, you know, you, you get an increase in temperatures, uh, operating temperature. Um, then there's also the permeability requirements in the fuel tank. But when, when, when you look at all that, and when you actually look at all the the EPA requirements, what the EPA requirements do is, is they put performance requirements, and it's up to manufacturers to how they're going to meet that or not. You know, one, one manufacturer chooses chooses to do one way, and the other manufacturer chooses the, another way. So there, there's multiple solutions to meet that requirement. So, so that's why I'm saying it's a false. It's not, it's not something that they force down on folks, but it's more of the manufacturer's choice of how to meet those requirements. Okay, very good. And you've alluded to or touched on this a few different times, but this idea that more that modern saws, for a number of different reasons, are running hotter than maybe saws uh, that are you know, the, the the old 44s versus the 440s, 460s, 461s, and the steel lines. Can you talk a little bit about why it is that a more modern saws are running hotter? Yeah, you know, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we have, we have information on, on chainsaws, uh, operating temperatures, and, you know, performance uh, information on them, you know, from back to, to the, uh, Gosh, the 70s, perhaps, and and looking at those chainsaws, you know, we we, we were able to pull the head temperature, exhaust gas temperature, um, and compare those, and and there is a there's a trend of an increase in the the operating temperature as indicated by the exhaust gas and head temperature. So um, so and we're we're thinking that that does coincide with the emissions requirements, the clean air standards, uh, because they have to run the different technologies that would run higher temperatures you know on consumer sauce they're starting to put uh, catalytic converters now on those um, and uh, with catalytic converters those will run a little hotter so the, the, that's just a sample of uh, the uh, technology they're introducing but there is a trend and 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 you know part of it is is that emissions requirement being able to to run leaner and uh, the, the emissions um, um, a little cleaner perhaps um, so there's a tr there, there is that trend of heating uh, increase in operating temperature. Okay. Um, that's kind of it on my true-false bit here. Um, is there any sort of final point that you'd like to communicate to folks with regard to fuel geysers? What should folks be thinking about in your mind here? Yeah, you know, you know that that's always in in back of our you know our, our team here, our, our minds, you know, making sure that you know that's it's it's a it's a an incident we, we don't we don't try to repeat again, and 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 you know being able be, being mindful being aware of what fuel does and and for a lot of us you know it, it's muscle memory and we're trying to break that muscle memory, making sure that you know treating the saw treating the the, the jerry can the the, the sig ball as a potential for geysering so opening the cap, being mindful of where you are and the ignition source. Um, 
you know, making sure that uh, if you're having trouble with your sauce, making sure it cools down. You've you kind of lost already your operational tempo when your saw is running poorly, um, and you're troubleshooting. So just the best thing you do is for now, is just let let it sit for about at least 15 minutes, let it cool down, and it'll, it'll go back again. So I, I guess my my message, you know, is just just be the, the awareness piece is, is is what really what we have for right now. Uh, treating every saw, every piece of ga equipment that has gasoline in it, that's going to geyser. Um, and just that awareness piece, the change of behavior is really critical. Okay. Well, Ralph, we've gone through a bunch of stuff here. That's uh, super handy. Any other things you wanted to chat about uh, with regard to yeah. what you guys are up to and so on? So. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I guess what, what what I'd like to stress is, you know, you know, you know, we we've been looking at this solution for for about two years, and certainly, the the more minds, the the more minds that we have looking at this or having ideas, whether it's the operational side or the engineering side, we're we're, we're open to to suggestions. We're open to, you know, hey, could you, did you guys did you guys check this out? Did you guys look at this? All that stuff, you know, having more people be thinking about this, thinking about solutions, and 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 providing it to us, you know, the, and the and the website is a good place to do it, along along with the incidents, the uh, the reporting of incidents. So the, there's there's a critical piece, you know. We we are, we don't claim to have all the answers, you know. Sometimes we get blinded because we are looking at it for so close for so long. So having people's feedback, people's you know ideas and stuff shared with us is really good as well. Okay, very good. And I'd seen. Uh mention i think in one of the fuel geysering updates that i'm seeing here um that there's going to be stickers maybe on cash saws is that uh, can you describe those yeah yeah sure you know so the, so we're, we're working with the national caches as well and they 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 own about four thousand of this uh chainsaws at least steel chainsaws um and what we're trying to do is again increase the awareness you know and i, I know the last thing people want to see is another sticker on a chainsaw but but if, if we could just you know just it's a reminder. It's a constant reminder for the chainsaws. It's going to be right on on that uh, uh, the air cleaner cover, uh, and it's just a warning sticker saying, you know, this good guys are, and just you know, e even this that that hesitation that folks will get when they see that sticker and say, oh yeah, you know, this, this you know, it could happen to me. You know, it surely happened to me. So having that pause, having that sticker, uh, we hope will help. Um, then along the same lines, we'll have posters and. Again, it's a national awareness campaign trying to share every information that we have that has been confirmed, that has been validated. Uh, we'll, we'll get it out to folks. Well, there you have it. A discussion with a real-life engineer, Ralph Gonzalez, on fuel geysers and the factors and conditions that influence when a fuel geyser can happen. How'd you do on the true or false? If you got them all right, leave us a comment below and we will send you, we will send you a full case, not a half case, but a full case of high fives. Yeah! To read more about fuel geysers, check out the National Fuel Geyser Awareness Campaign website. Get there with a Google search of these words, Fuel Geyser Awareness. Fuel Geyser Awareness, quick search of that, should get you to the National Fuel Geyser Awareness Campaign website. Once there, you can do a bunch of things. Watch videos, read fuel geyser incident reports. Maybe most importantly, you can report a fuel geyser incident. With the fuel geyser incident reporting form, it's a quick form. You can do it online, you can do it on your phone, you can do it anonymously. If you have a fuel geyser, fill out the reporting form, please. 
And finally, thanks so much to Ralph Gonzalez, who's a super busy guy for taking the time out of that schedule. Ralph's always in the airport. He's always in a meeting. He's always on conference calls, and he uh, took some time out of his schedule. Thanks a ton, Ralph. Lastly, tell us what you think of the podcast. Please let us know. Send us an email, a tweet, a Facebook message, a postcard. Subscribe to the podcast any place you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or podbean.com. Leave us a review and tell your friends. Thanks a ton for your time. See you next time.